This is Let's Investigate That. The following content is not suitable for children, teens, most adults, or anyone with a sensitivity to morons. Remember, some ideas are just stupid. That doesn't mean someone needs to be punished. Let's investigate that. Did that trigger you? Yeah, but not in any way that makes any logical fucking sense whatsoever. You can simulate a terrible idea, and I feel like I made a mistake. You know, actually, I do have a funny, a, a funny thing about sex moves. That I'll, but it's not like, and it's not like you can just do a sex move. Hello and welcome to Let's Investigate That. I'm Jeff. I'm here with Dan and Chuck. Gentlemen, what do we have today? Oh, wait, are you there? No, you, neither of you guys are on Twitter. I was until about three months ago. I am, I'm hanging on for dear life for as long as I can because it is still an incredible, like, like you guys missed the vulva phrenologist. I'm sorry? The vulva phrenologist. Did I, though? You did. <laughs> I wouldn't say I missed them. <laughs> so, well, yeah, there, there's, the, there's this woman who's going around on Twitter. Like, so, and it's it's a whole, whole part of the, the whole, like, debate over whether, like, uh, trans people should have rights or not. And so there's this art project. It's like the Human Diversity Project. And there's these plastic uh, casts of a bunch of vulvas. And someone like had made like a little gallery wall and they circled a bunch of them and they're like these ones are trans vulvas mm. i know and i know this somehow and then so it kind of like went back and forth and she was um and she she was like yeah like i can i can tell i can identify a, a trans vulva i know what a vulva is supposed to look like she eventually got into an argument with a porn star who and she 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 was like she said to the porn star, you would not be able to pick your vulva out of a, li- a lineup. And and everybody dumped on her for that. But, like, that is incredible. It's been going on for, like, three days. Or at least it feels like three days. Maybe it's only been a day. So it, it sounds like it's not satire. Like, this is a person that genuinely... A, yes. Oh, and, and during... Uh, she also does not believe in the G-spot because um, her dad would buy her cadavers when she was younger and she would like finger the cadavers to try and find a g-spot yeah it's, yes it's a whole thing it's a whole thing and so no, no it's not real that's that's just happened out <laughs> like a person who would believe that they could find a g-spot on a cadaver yeah. is not a person who possesses the intellectual capacity to operate a keyboard and type things into Twitter. <laughs> okay, I used to believe that, but and I, then Elon Musk bought Twitter. Yes, I have fully abandoned Hanlon's Razor. Okay, I I no longer attribute things to ignorance or stupidity. It is malice. If I do not know the person, it's malice. That person is malicious, and they mean it. But how could you be dumb enough to think anybody would buy that argument? Like. Oh, no, like anti-trans people are completely unhinged, especially online. The more online they are, the more unhinged they are. Like, and you, you, you can say the same thing about like flat earthers. Yeah. Like there's, there's no possible way that people could believe this. And no, yet you have. Flat earthers are a little different because it's like flat earthers are coming from a place of like empiricism like strict empiricism of like do you really know just because somebody told you no no they're not and that makes me worry that you're a flat earther (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> there's a there's an entire there's one of the most prominent flat earthers has done a series of experiments to prove that the earth is flat and every single one of them proves that the earth is round and he discards it and says well we can't pay attention to that let's move on to this experiment and he does this over he's done like six of these experiments up to having like a fifty thousand uh, dollar vacuum sealed gyroscope that measures the earth's rotation buying one specifically to do that and then seeing that it matched what his predictions would be if the earth was round and then he just threw it away yeah he's he's like they got they they got to the gyroscope manufacturer yeah yeah big gyroscope is okay i under, yes but that's not to me that's not a flat earther right it's a flat earth but it's also like it's also the the guy who predicted the apocalypse in 2012, and then it didn't happen. And he said, "Oops, I guess I, I screwed up a little bit, but it's still coming." You know, like well, and the, but but it, it it goes both ways. I think because how, at what point does stupidity stop being stupidity and is just stubbornness and identity politics or because, delusion, like straight up like mental illness delusion. Aren't, aren't delusions kind of hard to deal with? Well, it depends who you are, I think. But okay, so maybe I'm ignorant here. I don't want to pretend like I know everything about the human body. Yeah. But you can't feel a G spot. Somebody has to tell you, oh, yeah, that feels good. Like it's not like it's got a little different texture to it or something. Well, kind of. Like, yeah, there there is definitely a uh because it's it's like the Grappenberg spot which if i remember correctly i remember reading about it and it is like basically where the prostate gland it's it's the same tissue of the prostate gland um that becomes a prostate gland in men um in males but it's it's that that same is a little like nubbin of, of tissue and you can feel it but it's not something I don't think that it's something that you can identify on a corpse, probably. And like, yeah, you would need like usually you need like a reaction. Yes. I was I saw in some literature I got from Mabel Wadsworth, I think, the local women's healthcare clinic, that the G spot is not universal on every woman. Right. And it's different from person to person. And it is the backside of the clitoris, hmm. which is actually like nine centimeters long. You know, and then the other side of it, you can sometimes reach and touch and stimulate, but it's not going to, for most women, apparently not going to feel, not going to feel different to the finger that's touching it than the surrounding tissue, other than the way it stimulates. Yeah, I think you'd have to be like an expert. No, like amateur, you wouldn't like no amateur G-spot. I don't know. This was apparently some 13-year-old girls fingering corpses trying to find G-spots. Oh, no, 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 no. This is a, this is an like adult woman. No, I meant mentally a 13-year-old girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stunning lack of self-awareness, A, on our part, having this conversation, and B, on the part of the person who's publicly announced that she'd fingered a bunch of corpses to try to yes. find G-spot, and therefore it doesn't exist. Well... Yeah, and okay, I think I think to be fair, we should say cadaver because I feel like corpses has the the connotation. What is the difference between a corpse and a cadaver? Uh, I mean, they, I think they're technically the same thing, but a cadaver sounds more clinical. So we're giving her the benefit of the doubt. Google already knew I was going to ask that question. That's frightening. Okay, uh, corpse is 
definitely did. Okay. <laughs> okay so <laughs> cadaver is uh, a corpse that is expected to be used for medical purposes, like organ transplant or dissection. So like a corpse is just like, all right. And then cadaver is a special class of corpse. If we're drawing the Venn diagram, then the cadaver corpse is within the, the cadaver circle is within the corpse. It's a corpse with a job. So it's a the, corpse with a job. <laughs> track record of inventing things that already exist and because it's my idea I I accept it and there is this idea that I've come up with which I call the like the vandal problem which goes with my whole like roles of people in society and that there are some people who are just bad actors and I call them vandals because like if they are not going to follow the rules and any rules that you impose are going to come down harder on well-meaning people in society than they will on the people who do not care about the rules and are going to break and bend them. And I cannot be the first person to have thought of that, but I don't know, like, the the commonly accepted phrase for that, like, school of thought, like, identifying that problem. I don't know what it's called in normal language. I just know the, the phrase that I made up that nobody else uses. So I can't Google it. What's the phrase again? I, I call it the vandal problem. Like it's, the, it's the, the problem of bad actors in societies in society. Just people fucking shit up. Yeah, I think those are just called assholes. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, it's got there. There has to be a uh, like an ac- academic term for the asshole problem. An academic term for the fact that we have assholes. Yes. I see what you mean. I was thinking a lot about. Like I was watching the coverage of the whole Justin Roiland thing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. So he's a, one of the co-creators of Rick and Morty, and he's done as a voice actor, he's done a bunch of things. Um, and it came out recently that in 2020 he was arrested and charged with uh, like kidnapping his girlfriend and abusing her and all of this like horrible stuff. Um, and then he recently just got, I don't want to say vindicated, because he wasn't vindicated. The prosecution dropped the case due to lack of evidence, basically. Yeah, the tra- um, they dropped the charges. Yeah. Which, again, not a vindication. But mm-hmm. it kind of got me thinking about that whole separate the art from the artist thing. And where that line is drawn. Because I don't, I, I'm, I like Rick and Morty. And I like H.P. Uh, Love, Lovecraft. And... You run into a similar type of problem with just about any literature or art from pre-1970, right? Like, and, and even today, the most popular people in the world are still people, so they're going to be horrible because yeah. everybody is horrible. I mean, I, I love Ender's Game, but um, Orson Scott Card is a Mormon. I should probably qualify that. I don't want to <laughs> just say like a blanket, but like... <laughs> But he's he's like one of the one of like the like bad hardline Mormons, like the original text. Yes, the the the, the type of person who thinks that I should not be allowed in the church type Mormon. That he's like one of those ones. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not going to make a claim that he believes that now, but yeah, he's definitely on that end of the spectrum. If I pick up a copy of Ender's Game at the library and read it, have I done anything to harm anybody? that Orson Scott Card may have harmed through his Mormon beliefs. That's the thing. I think that the the art still has value. 
But if we continue with that thought process that the art art will always have value regardless of its creator, yeah, then how does that push society forwards to have creators that aren't terrible? Like because it's almost like a free pass. You can be however shitty you want to be as long as you are famous. But yeah, like the, that is a problem. Like how do you deal with bad actors? Yeah, um, I feel like that's more of a problem with uh, the justice system than it is with lack of boycotting. Uh, well, okay. How about this then? What about people where the line uh, isn't like quite at the criminal level, like J.K. Rowling and her assault on trans people? She she's doing some just really heinous stuff with the billions of dollars that she has. Um, like there's there's someone who uh, pointed out that like her views aligned with Nazis, but because of the UK's defamation laws, um, like she sued and used her money to pressure somebody into having to do a public apology and recant their statement. And everybody, basically everybody on Twitter replied and quote tweeted with like, well, you can't say she's a Nazi, but I can say she's a Nazi. So it was just like every, it was like a, a hurricane of Nazi accusations around this eye of a public apology, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, I don't know. I, I very often, when it comes to issues of like global ethics, like whether you're talking about veganism or some kind of social change or JK Rowling, I eventually just say, oh, fuck it. I don't mm-hmm. care anymore because I am a white and allow a male and allowed to do that. Yeah, you, you're kind of on, on a little bit of like dry land as far as that goes. Yeah, I can afford to be an ally is really what it comes we're down to. We're all allowed to do it regarding populations that we're not members of. Right. That we don't feel affected by. Is that is that a thing that if you are affected by those issues, are you ever able to sit back and say, you know what, I'm just not going to think about this? Or is it something that permeates your identity? Like, okay, I, I like I, I will say every single time I drive anywhere, like I am I am aware that a like a Texas police officer could pull me over and kill me for a six-week vacation. I do wonder about the people that I know. We'd be like, okay, so if I got murdered by the police, they would probably maybe plant a gun on me. I don't know, or whatever. Like they they I would get smeared. And I wonder how many people I know would believe the smears. Hmm. I would. And I absolutely I would. <laughs> yes. In in a heartbeat. Yeah. I've I've heard you talk about cops before. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah. That's that's Dan. Depends on where exactly they planted the gun and whether it was in too deep or not. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Were you doing sex moves with the gun <laughs> when they always. planted it on you? Always. Uh-huh. Always do sex moves with a gun. That's one of the limitations of this conversation. Is are we having this conversation? From a white perspective or not or from a straight cis perspective or not i mean always like that that's the thing is like you can try and and step outside but i don't know about you guys but things don't tend to sink, sink into me unless it's my idea jeff asked nicole about this this patriarchy and feminism like we used to have all sorts of conversations and there is a bunch of stuff that she uh, she taught me that like 15 years later, I decided was my idea. I, uh, I agreed with it. I accepted it and I internalized it. And I was like, okay, now that, now that I think it, sure, it's valid. And I think that's very, it's very frustrating, but I think that's, 
that's a, how a lot of people are. I don't think I'm unique in that way. Some people are more open-minded and able to accept. Is that a, a, a problem or is that just how it is? Or is that something that uh, we should strive to overcome? Or is that a symbol of, or a sig signifier of uh, being strong-willed and like, how does that? Oh, I, I think it's something that you can overcome. It's something we should try to overcome, but it takes a lot of effort. It's very hard. You have to trust the person who you're talking with. Um, and I think that all of those things make it uh, too hard for everybody to do in their everyday life. I, I've i found myself consciously trying to do it, and it's it's hard. That's, that's one of the primary criticisms I've heard that and that appeals to me about boycotting type strategies, like avoiding supporting J.K. Rowling or similar, um, is that that's an easy that's an easy thing to do as a white person to say that I'm supporting trans people. But how much does it actually help trans people that I didn't watch that program or that I didn't buy that book um, versus other things that I could be doing that would be more hands on and it would be harder and yeah. would be more sacrifice. You know, one of the one of the arguments I've heard is, you know, if a child molester invented the cure for cancer, would we use it? Yes, <laughs> we would use it. Right. We would also do our best to either a put the child molester away for life, b support and help children, or c ideally both. But those two things are hard to do. They require, you know, some effort and some willingness to be uncomfortable to go and act on behalf of a marginalized population. And meh, do I have to? Or can well, I, just, I, I read this book and read this other book and pretend that the author of that other book was better? I, I think also you can leverage your privilege in everyday life, but how, like, at what point does that stop mattering? Like, because if I go and try to tell J.K. Rowling that she's shit and like try to change that culture around her like that's not going to make a difference there's nothing no. that's gonna th that that effort will have the same effect as me boycotting harry potter right as not going to universal studios right the end result is the same even though my intent might be uh deeper or more impact more important and then i think you've kind of gotten to like the crux of the issue there which is that it is very easy to feel helpless i feel helpless a lot well we are helpless about the vast majority of things that we're going to know about. You know, we're psychologically not built to take in the, the volume and scope of information that's available to us. So we're going to feel helpless constantly. And because any one cause that I decide to direct my energy toward means that there's a hundred thousand other causes that I'm ignoring. And I can feel free to feel like shit about the fact that I'm ignoring those other worthy causes. I'm one person that wants to specialize in supporting some cause or some group, but it's it's also somewhat self-centered and narcissistic to turn it into a court case about whether I'm a worthy person or not because am I supporting enough causes and and with enough fervor or not. It's not really about me ultimately. Well, yeah, and I think that's really what it comes down to for me is that none of this shit is about me. It's not, uh, that sounds dangerously close to it's not my fault or not all men or whatever, but that's not, uh, not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying that the second I start to talk about what ramifications my actions have, I have moved the lens from the issue to myself. 
and that becomes performative allyship and that becomes a problem yeah it's hard it's and it's it's hard to remove your ego especially when your ego is as big as mine is right this contrasts nicely with the topic of vietnam war protests i think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Civil yeah. protests in the 60s you know people actually putting something on the line uh traveling sacrificing for a cause being put in the line of sight of the government surveillance and government retribution um for something that they actually believed in as opposed to something performative and that that feels like a singular point in history like has that i'm not a history person but my always correct gut says like that's never happened before and that will never happen again we hit this confluence of political power media being born and population being in the right place to be able to enact a change like that and i think we've gone forward with that as like our model for change ever since then but it's never going to be effective right yeah we're like the propaganda machine and the surveillance apparatus are too like too powerful the propaganda was especially powerful you know in the 90s and early 2000s you know with the Iraq war and stuff um there was no peace movement of any substance because there was no first of all the propaganda was powerful enough to convince everybody that the united states was in the right and this was a worthy cause and secondly the journalism was weak enough and denied enough access to the atrocities that were going on and you know everything came from government sources now we have more empowerment for individual reporting, but the media is much more fractured. So you don't have the same capacity, I think, for a monolithic peace movement. You know, it's going to be very, very fractured and fractured and pulled apart. The thing about the show I was watching, the American Experience show, you know, they talked a bit about some of the argument and some of the disagreement within the peace movement, within the leadership of the peace movement, how they'd have these 18-hour meetings fighting with each other about how to handle this and how to do that and what should be next and they ironed it out worked it out and made something happen and that's what's hard to imagine now happening on that type of scale where people would negotiate and come to an agreement as opposed to you know be too attached identity wise to the belief and to their camp so how much of that is a result of the growing wealth gap and the capitalist system Oh, okay. making us fight against each other versus the advancement of technology and the dispersion of information. I, I am glad that you said that because I did not want to be the one who was bringing up or in blaming capitalism every episode. I will blame capitalism every episode <laughs> because the more I think about it, the more it's capitalism's fault. I, I've been watching The Americans, which is an excellent show, but it has fully radicalized me. I think that like the U.S. won the the Cold War, but the world lost the Cold War. Yeah, but no, I, I think I think it is mostly capitalism because, like for example, in like in the in the the sixties and seventies, we we hadn't had Reagan yet, so we hadn't had that kind of hyper capitalist explosion with the the enormous like growth in the wealth gap. So people still had free time <laughs> to do stuff, uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, you didn't have to have two jobs to survive like you could you could do stuff and you could organize with people and now it's kind of the 
uh, people who are either like professional organizers or people who are bottomless energy somehow and are able to work full-time and also organize their communities. Fuck those people. There are some people who are busybodies and good for them. I, society needs some busybodies. Wait, so when you say busybody, my mind goes to like the neighbor peeking out their windows because they have nothing else to do and then judging everybody on the street and yeah, keeping those little are, notes. Yeah. So those are, okay. Those are, I, I don't want to like call judgment. I think of them as bad busybody bodies, but they're not actually bad. They are idle busybodies and they need a job. So if you, if you could like give them a task and be like, this is helping society. If you do this, they will do it. Like, because, uh, like, I have, a, I have a neighbor who's a busybody, and she's a good busybody. And so she, like, she has a PhD and is going for another one and is, like, on the school board and is, like, a band booster. And um, someone in the neighborhood, this teenager was going around trying to do yard work to help his mom pay for rent. And so she was driving around and, and like, harassing people <laughs> to, to, like, give him work and stuff. I was just hoping your neighbor finds out about this podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, she she will never listen. She does not. Yeah, she will never listen to a podcast. She's too busy. That's refreshing. It's uh, it's like making fun of the Amish on TV. So we can talk about her sex moves, and she'll never find out. <laughs> She's doing productive stuff with her life instead of what I'm doing. Do you, do you think that? I mean, you you mentioned like she's the same age as us, but like. As as we get older and as our generation starts to age out of the people that matter, yeah, like which is I think already happened to a large extent, even though I don't want to admit it. When will or will the information dispersion be enough to make it so that there are no busybodies, no bad, no idle busybodies, or will it ever? No, because I think I think that that is it's it goes with my like my humans as animals hypothesis that there there are some like there are people personality types who fit niche in like the the human ecosystem i guess or like the human you know what i'm trying to say like the human economy Mm -hmm. i guess like we all we all kind of have different personality types tend to do different things in society i feel like like yeah you have the sociopaths who look for leadership positions apparently um, you know, like the busybodies, those are the people who are like the community community organizers. Like Barack Obama is a busybody. Okay. Maybe like a hybrid. Maybe, maybe a sociopath. I feel like you have to be a sociopath to run for president. I that or a masochist. Like right. I don't think you could be a normal person and want to be in charge. I guess I'm still not clear on what defines a busybody. They're the people who are who wanna they want to do something about it and they do something about it. Oh. Like like so they take that step to move from performative allyship to marching in the streets and yelling at people, holding yeah. up signs, all and that they're, stuff. Yeah, oh. they're, the, they're the ones who come and bother you about it. You know, at the very low level, they're the people who see the crooked, like the the, le- the leaning sign in the, the neighborhood and go bother City Hall about it. That's a busybody. Okay. So I, yeah, I've, I've always associated the term busybody with, you know, like as a pejorative term. Yeah, and well, it's not very positive to me. Well, usually, I mean, usually it is. It is like usually they're like they're being obnoxious. Yeah, I mean, somebody's got to. Yeah, yeah. 
but like there it's a little bit like like my my cat ash he's 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 smart and he gets bored so he comes and bothers me while i'm working and he's learned to turn off my computer and like unplug and it's because he's bored so if i if i play with him for a little bit then he's fine but they they need that kind of stimulus this like stimulation otherwise they're gonna like go fuck with something sure but we need those people Mm-hmm. Like yeah. every time I go vote, and then there's somebody with a petition, I roll my eyes. I don't want to look at your fucking petition. Do you think I give a shit? But you know, those are busy bodies. But also, like in reality, if I stop and think about it, I'm glad they're there. I'm glad they're doing what they're doing. Yes. Whatever the cause is, I'm just glad they somebody gives a shit about something to the point where they'll act because it ain't me. <laughs> so as long as yeah. somebody else is doing it, <laughs> I don't have to. <laughs> but I, I think that. And this gets back to the the talking about capitalism and the 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 way that the capitalist system keeps reengaging itself, and those people are going to become either less and less prevalent or more and more powerful, right? And there is no middle ground because the simple act of surviving day to day, especially in and post pandemic is fucking hard for for everybody for everybody it's just fucking hard and as that info like i said as the information kind of spreads and the access to the information continues to spread people are either going to not have the time or the energy or the ability to make changes or they're going to be wealthy enough to buy twitter all right we covered a lot of ground we did, and uh, somehow managed to get to all of our topics. Ah, except somewhat. For, except for mine, which is fine. And with that, I think it's about time we wrap things up. Thank you, Chuck and Dan, for joining me today. Uh, and thank you all for listening in. Hope you have a good week.